What's going on and welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sowers and alongside my co-host Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Happy post-draft to all of you. We survived. We did it. I know uh, Jim was burning the midnight oil last night, getting you all the content you need. You can see that content on Pelicans.com, the mobile app, and of course all the videos and interviews from the newest Pelican, Kyra Lewis Jr., Trajan Langdon, David Griffin, Sam Van Gundy, all of that is also available for you on pelicans.com and the mobile app. Jim, uh, how are you? Are you running on fumes a little bit? You doing good? You look okay. You look pretty good. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I feel pretty good as well. I mean, it was a late night, but I, there's actually been later nights than that in over the last bunch of years. So it wasn't that bad. I'm used to being awake till well after midnight on draft night. So. Um, it was it was pretty reasonable though. Um, it was pretty easy to kind of narrow down the focus in terms of what the Pelicans did. So that made it a little bit um, more uh, of a night where you weren't weren't awake till 4 a.m. But I'm doing pretty well, and I'm excited to uh, talk about the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was it weird, different for you? Because you you've been to drafts, you've covered drafts, you've also covered drafts from the media room. A lot of people talked about how they missed the Raising Canes last night. I think I was one of those as well that missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how different was it just, one, seeing all the, the draft picks virtually hear their names being called, but it also you covering it for the first time maybe in a while that you actually were at home? It was strange. I have to say that, um, I mean, being there in person is is obviously a very unique experience. I was, I've been to Barclays Center, I think, a couple times over the last bunch of years, including the year that Buddy Heald was picked in the lottery. Um, but the last couple of years, I think where we've just covered it in Metairie, I live very close to the facility. I've actually tried to watch the first few picks at home anyway. So that part of it was normal. I feel like for, I'm sure this is the case for a lot of people that cover whatever team it is. Um, I was very in tune to what was going on across the league until the moment that the Pelicans picked. And after that, it was like, I still don't, I still have to kind of go back through, and read a bunch of stuff today and watch a bunch of uh, stuff from last night to figure out who's on what team, especially deeper in the drafts, some of the second round picks that I was interested in. But, um, but it, it was, it was of course weird to, to just be home the entire time and not be around other people. But um, you know, we're just doing the best we can with everything, which is the case across the board right now. Talking about, you know, focusing on the, the draft pick once the Pelicans selected at 13. And that's when kind of all the chaos happened. You know, Jim, I was kind of surprised. I, I touched on it on our draft preview show on our flagship station, ESPN New Orleans, about how I thought this was going to be a really active draft uh, last night. And for the most part, I think it was. But I was really surprised that picks one through 15 stayed put at the teams that were slotted at those positions. I think that was the biggest surprise. And Trajan Langdon talked about it afterwards, how hard it was for teams, or at least them, to move up. Um, I guess that was the case last night that it was kind of a – it was they were having a tough time getting into the top ten if they were trying to look to get in. Yeah, that was surprising. I think one of the things that he said that I thought was kind of funny was um, they, they tried to call some teams while they were on the clock and no one was picking up their phone. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just – it's hard to explain. Maybe it's one of those years where – a lot of teams tried to make a bunch of trades and move up or down right before the draft or in the days before the draft. And there was, it got to the point where there was a lot of frustration because there wasn't really anything that was sticking in terms of deals that could be made. So it sounds like it got to the point where teams were just like, you know what, we're going to just pick from in our spot and we're going to just go from there. Um, I thought in general too, that the nature of this draft 
it sounded like there were a lot of teams that wanted to move down, but not as many that wanted to move up. And, and as far as, I think a lot of teams um, just decided that it wasn't worth maybe trading future assets or players or whatever to move up some, some spots when there was a decent chance you could get the guy you wanted anyways in the spot that you were in. So that might've affected it as well as, as far as why we didn't see the kind of trade movement that we, a lot of people expected. You know, whenever you're going to try to call me from now on, I'm going to say that I'm on the clock and that way it gives me an excuse to ignore you. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to you ignoring my calls anyways. You don't need to make an excuse. I'll just be like, Oh, there he is again. Just not, not picking up oh, nope, well. on the clock. That's the new phrase. Daniel's on the clock again. So, cause I'm always, I'm always working hard, Jim, but um, you did see teams like Detroit. I feel like they were one of the teams that was very active. It, I couldn't keep up with where they were going, who they were picking. They were part of a, a three-team deal. They moved up. They moved back. Um, very interesting to see. Um, but the Pelicans did stay put at pick number 13, and it was Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. Um, Jim, a, a lot of people are raving about this pick a, across the country. Um, when you heard the name being called, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Kyra Lewis? I remember doing research on as many first-round possibilities as I could, and the, the thing that kept coming up with him was that he's – one of the fastest players in the draft and that he's super quick. I watched um, some YouTube videos of him and some highlights and also some scouting breakdowns. And I, I really like him. I, I like his shot. I like how he seems to be pretty intense defensively and he can pick up um, other backcourt players, 94 feet. So those are, that's something that the Pelicans can definitely use, but just from, I mean, and I'm going to get into this way more extensively over the next day or so, especially Friday, but from briefly looking through a lot of the draft grades that various websites have, I haven't had a ton of time to do this yet, but from the ones I have looked at, it does seem like the assessments of what the Pelicans did with that pick are very favorable that a lot of people like Kyra Lewis. And especially at 13, I saw a lot of a pluses and, you know, B plus a minus grades for him. Um, so that that's definitely a good sign as far as, what the draft analysts think, obviously they know way more than we do. We're not people that are watching college basketball year round, or even a lot of times, even during the season. So, um, so that, that was definitely a positive for the Pelicans as far as what people think in terms of that player. I believe it was Jay Billis said that, you know, when we look back at this year's draft in a few years that that pick at 13 could be one of those that say, how did so many teams let him, get away. So that was certainly uh, really cool to hear. Um, and of course you expect nothing less from David Griffin and Trange and Langdon and company. Um, what's also strikes me about Kira Lewis Jr. And, you know, this is a big factor. It seems like nowadays when looking at age, the fact that how young he is at 19 years old, um, there was a tweet I saw from Fox Sports New Orleans. JJ Reddick was a senior in high school in 2001 when Kyra Lewis was born. Um, the fact that he's so young when he reclassified in high school, I mean, he was playing basketball uh, at, as soon as 17 years old at Alabama. So I think that's also another pause of the fact that you have this 19 year old kid that still has a, a pretty good amount of experience at Alabama. Yeah. And despite the fact that he's as young as, as he is, as you say, he's not going to be 20 until the very uh, tail end of this regular season coming up. He does seem like he's pretty polished and he does have some skills that are kind of beyond his years. Um, I noticed watching some of his highlights that, I really like his pull-up jumper. He seems like he's really squared up to the basket and he looks really good on those with his form. Um, it seems like he had some good Euro steps 
where he's instead of running through the guy, he's getting around him and, and getting to the basket. So just from what I've seen of him, he doesn't seem like a guy that you say, Oh, he's really inexperienced. Look at all the mistakes he made. Um, I, I do, do think I heard him say something to the effect that he's working on his pick and roll reads that he wants to get better at that and maybe increase, improve his uh, assist to turnover ratio, but he definitely made jumps between his freshman year and his sophomore year at Alabama. So that's also a good sign. Something that Trajan Langdon talked about last night was he had two different coaches and he did a really in, in his two seasons with the Crimson Tide and he did a good job of, of adapting to the new coach and, and making a huge improvement from year one to year two. Hey, you talked about his ability to attack the attack to the rim. Um, a lot of high percentage shots for him at the rim too, which is certainly important that the Pelicans could use. Um, a lot of people have some questions about how he fits in. Look, there's a lot of guards as of now on this roster, um, but there's I feel like there's so much more activity that could happen. And David Griffin noted that that it seems like they're not done just yet. So I don't want to go through the roster and see how he fits. But one of the things that they did talk about, and this is something that we can talk about, is his fit with Zion Williamson. He 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 mentioned how excited he is to play with him. And I feel like uh, with the tempo and how Zion can run the floor, like those two together on the floor uh, should be really exciting to watch. Yeah. I like the fact too, that he uh, can get into the paint. That was one thing that Trajan Langdon talked about a few times during his press conference last night was that he's very good at penetrating, drawing defenders and dishing off to people. And that was something that Kyra himself, I guess, had told the Pelicans front office that that was one of the, his favorite parts of the game. So, I mean, the combination of how fast he is in terms of getting out on the break and maybe throwing some alley-oops to Zion and getting easy baskets for other guys, as well as how he can get into the teeth of the defense, that seems like a very attractive pair of traits that a point guard could have to come in here and make a contribution. I mean, to me, obviously there's a new coaching staff here now, but based on what we've seen the last few couple of years with this offense, with the offense that the team has run, um, the point guard to me, his biggest job is going to be setting up other guys and making sure other guys get, get the right shots in the right spots. Um, obviously we've seen, we have, there's two guys on the roster that as early as they are into their career with Brian, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, they both average over 20 points a game last year. They're both very efficient scorers. So um, if you can get them not only more shot attempts, but better shot attempts, I mean, it's going to, to me, their, their production is going to keep going through the roof as far as um, they already, they just have the, such a skill set. And now if you have a, a more, more point guards that can get them the ball in, in good spots, it's only going to help. I think you asked this to Trajan Langdon last night on, on the post-draft press conference about, you know, he's from Alabama. He's actually watched a lot of Pelicans games. He was, he was a Pelicans fan or says he is a Pelicans fan. Um, how much does that help just knowing that, you know, he was able to watch them a little bit. He knew kind of how this team runs and the pieces that they have that it, you know, as a lot of people said last night, a match made in heaven. And I feel like that's truly the case based on, you know, a team that he was kind of really wanting to go to. And, you know, obviously David Griffin and Trajan Langdon really wanted them here in New Orleans. I think it's important, but more important maybe specifically than his knowledge of the team is just the fact that it shows you how prepared he was for when he did the interviews. And I know there are a million different intangibles that we talk about in terms of what makes a player successful or not. To me, I like the fact that he, I assume he went into the interviews with new Orleans, having a good base of knowledge of the style of play. And I, I believe him too, when he says that he watched the Pelicans play a lot 
last season on TV because for one, New Orleans was on national TV a lot as we, you and I both know, but also it's a very appealing style of play. Um, one of the teams that I think is at the top of people's lists in far, as far as NBA league pass, the teams that they, they want to watch. So um, it just, I also listened to his, his draft combine interview last week before we obviously had any idea that he was coming to new Orleans. And um, he had, there were various media members from different cities that asked him questions about the fit that he would have with that specific team, whether it was Sacramento, you know, Memphis, whoever. And it seemed like he was pretty um, informed on every team that was, he was asked about as far as, you know, the way that he could fit in with that, that team. So to me um, beyond, obviously it's great that he knows the, the roster really well. And he knows a lot coming in. He's not going to have to just start from scratch. Just the fact that he's seems like the kind of guy that is smart enough to know, like, Hey, I need to be prepared as prepared as possible for these interviews so that I can make the best first impression possible. And, you know, that, that might be something as well that the front office really liked about him right off the bat. What else, are, what else am I miss, missing about Kyra Lewis Jr.? Is there anything that we didn't bring up about him that really stuck out to you, whether it was from his interviews last night? You know, they talk about David Griffin and Trajan Lane and Swing Cash about the importance of character. One, just seeing him um, and how he handled the media, um, his interview with Jen Hale afterwards, yes, ma'am. Just, you know, it seems like another high-character guy that they really, you know, is, is, is a big factor when drafting these guys or acquiring free agents. Yeah, I definitely think that that's crucial. That's something that the the team, as you the front office, as you try to keep building a team going forward in the future, that that's something that's going to be near the top of their list. He seems like a really, as Trajan also said, a soft spoken guy, but has a lot of maturity at a, such a young age. And so, yeah, I like that. And I, I think you you referenced this earlier. And I didn't really answer the question specifically, but um, I think it's great that he's you know kind of a regional guy as far as being from Alabama there, he might be he might have grown up a little closer to a couple other NBA cities like Memphis and Atlanta but uh, he's within driving distance of here and I think the fact that um, he pretty much is probably going to have to I think a lot of the rookies regardless of what team they're on they're going to be trying to get to whatever city they have to go to in days I don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be um, going to mess with their Thanksgiving holiday but I, it might have to, you might have to say like, Hey, if training camp starts in less than two weeks, I need to get there now. So I think it, it is a, it's a, it's a minor point, I'm sure. But the fact that he can probably get here very easily and very soon, I think can only help. These guys are also going to have to look for places to live. I mean, there's a lot of human elements to this transition that we don't think about because in a normal year, they have three or four months and it's no big deal. You can take forever to figure out, look at 15 different places and find the best one that you want to live in maybe even have time to negotiate up or down of what you're going to pay. But I mean, in this situation, he's probably going to try to get here as soon as possible. Like a lot of the guys are. So, so maybe that'll help. And maybe we'll also see some, some uh, maroon extra maroon in the stands next season or in the near future, when we do have a, the ability to have more people allowed in the smoothie King center, whenever that happens. I'm not, I'm not sure how LSU fans are going to react, but this might be the first time they don't boo someone uh, from the University of Alabama, especially because he's going to be on the Pelicans. But, you know, I'm sure LSU fans will welcome him. Um, but, yeah, it, I think this also helps that even though it is such a short turnover that I'm sure these guys are excited and ready to get to work. And now really there's no time to even think about what's next to come. You're going to have to react on that. And like you mentioned, get here 
and get ready. And, and Stan Van Gundy talked about that last night as well um, about, you know, everyone's in the same boat. There's going to be no excuses. His coaching staff's going to be prepared and he expects his players to be prepared. So they'll be curious to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. Um, the rest of the draft, as far as the Pelicans are concerned, what we can talk about, there's still a lot of things that have been reported that we really can't mention here on this platform, but uh, Jim, they did have two other second round picks that they did trade away. Number 39 to Utah and number 42 to the Charlotte Hornets. And it, it seems like last night, the name of the game for new Orleans was, was trading those picks. I, I you know can't really assume on those. because We didn't get to hear from David Griffin about that, but um, other than Kyra Lewis, not much to talk about for the Pelicans last night. No. And I think at a certain point, and like you said, I want to express caution because until we hear David Griffin or someone else from the Pelicans front office explain the strategy and the thinking, it's probably not wise to delve too much into it. But I do think at a certain point, there are, are only so many guys you can have on a Ross NBA roster that are in their first and second year. Obviously the Pelicans added three guys in the first round last year. Um, Nico Melli was also a rookie. Um, so at a certain point you can't have, I don't think you can have 10 or 11 guys between their rookie and second year. So maybe it wasn't that surprising that the Pelicans didn't, didn't add, you know, numerous handful of guys in last night's draft, but we'll see what happens going forward. Um, I think one other thing that we could mention too about Kyra is um, we don't know what his role is going to be. And I think the front office doesn't know what his role is going to be. I mean, to use a perfect example from the Trajan press conference last night, there was one question, I think, about how much he's going to play, how much Kyra's going to play. And then there was another question about how much time he's going to spend in the G League. And it was, it, I think it was kind of impossible to answer either, either question. So we're going to have to just wait and see how things shake out. And then we'll go from there. And as you just alluded to, in terms of Stan Van Gundy has hammered home the point lately that you have to be ready under any conditions and any circumstances. I think for Kyra over these next couple of weeks, that's going to have to be his philosophy too, because we, I don't think you can really, you can't even sit down with him and say like, okay, this is X, Y, Z is this is going to happen. You're going to have to just be ready for whatever the scenario is and however things turn out. Um, the good news is that he seems like a good, good dude. And that I think he'll be able to roll with whatever the team asks of him and, 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 and try to, keep improving as a player and benefit in whatever way he can from the experience of training camp and obviously his rookie season coming up. A lot more questions and answers right now as we're still trying to put the pieces together of an NBA season. Uh, there were a lot more details that come out that really didn't get to talk to. And I feel like we'll talk about that on another show as far as the schedule, others are going to cut it in half and release it in, in parts and the playing tournament that's going to be happening. All those things we need to cover and also the balance of the schedule with which divisions you're playing two road games and one home game and the other way around. So Jim, we'll definitely get into that um, probably in a preview as we get closer uh, to the regular season. But in the next few days, I know me and you will be spending a lot of time on Twitter, refreshing, scrolling everything. But, you know, we thought that yesterday was going to be crazy. I, I don't think people realize how crazy these next few days are going to be with free agency officially beginning tomorrow and contracts that can be signed on Sunday by next, by Monday, Jim, we could have a whole different team. It could stay the same a lot, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, one more certainty than what we have now, but it's, it's going to be nuts. I feel like these next few days. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I think it's funny just like when I'm looking at the calendar and trying to lay things out next week, obviously is Thanksgiving. So that's going to be a couple of days where not a lot goes on probably in the league, but you come back from that right after that weekend and you're jumping right into 
training camp. I'm not sure exactly how the schedule is going to be yet for that, but, um, but yeah, there's really not a lot of time. And the, the big thing is, especially if you make multiple moves is how do you incorporate all these new players? And you also have a new uh, coaching staff. So one thing that, another thing that Trajan mentioned last night that I thought was interesting, um, or no, actually it was Stan, Stan Van Gundy. He said that uh, Kyra is not going to be behind the, his teammates because all of his teammates are going to be learning from, from scratch. So that that's going to be another thing that that'll be interesting to follow and listen to as, as far as just everyone on the roster has to adapt to a new system and the way things are going to be done. And they just don't have a lot of time to do that. So we'll see what happens. And then we'll, that'll jump right in training camp will be extremely brief and then we'll go right into preseason games and we'll find out at some point soon. I'm, I'm assuming of, you know, what, when the preseason games are, are going to be and who they're playing. And so apparently uh, I think Joel Myers mentioned this, that every team has to host one, at least one preseason home game. So maybe we'll actually get a chance to see some basketball in person here coming up soon. That'll, that'll be nice. I can't wait to get back in the Smoothie King Center. I know Siki can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Pelicans and sing along to our favorite songs. Again, they're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy. Well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchase on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. Make sure to follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. All of his work available on Pelicans.com, the mobile app. He still has plenty more to do. Um, everything's a great read, and I'm sure he'll have more to recap after this weekend when free agency officially begins and ends we'll also have some more podcasts next week not sure who's going to be on or when it's going to be but we do know we'll have some for you to kind of recap what happened over the weekend for for now everyone have a great weekend for jim i'm daniel thanks for listening to the pelican podcast presented by seeking